biscuit bowl. Is that a phrase? <laughs> I don't know, but I like it. I don't it. think it is. I think it sounds right. I was shitting my biscuit the whole movie. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. My biscuit was shit. <laughs> my doodles flapped when my biscuit was shit. <laughs> shitted. I shitted my biscuit. <laughs> I like that better. I shitted my biscuit. Shitted. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I shitted my biscuit. <laughs> also, please know I did find, I did manage to find a poly thruple to root for in this movie. Oh, thank God. Wait, I want to try to guess. Um, was it? It's weird. Was Jess involved? Yes. Was it Jess? Oh, was it Jess and um, Claire's boyfriend and Phil? Yes! How did you do that? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, at first I was pretty confident in Jess and Phil. And then you said it was kind of weird. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, who would be weird? And then I was like, oh, Claire's boyfriend. For yeah, a coat like, I don't king. know why. <laughs> Literally, that was mostly why I was like, he wore a funny fur jacket and cared Literally. about his girlfriend being dead. And I was like, I'm in love with him. Literally. Apparently the actor has that coat in his closet. Still. Good. That was just his coat. And he was like, he I'll wear should. it in the movie. It's incredible. It's the best thing in the world. That was so good that you were able to guess that. I'm so, I feel so seen. <laughs> I feel so known. Welcome to the Fright of Your Life podcast. I'm Riley. And I'm Tara. And we are here to walk you through the 100 scariest movie moments of all time. As determined by the Bravo TV network in the year 2004. The movie that got the 87th spot for scariest movie moment is none other than Black Christmas. From the year 1974, directed by Bob Clark. And allow me to say, what a perfect movie it is. Yeah, holy shit. It's just, it's um, an original slasher movie. It's an original Christmas yeah. horror movie. Merry Christmas. It's January 5th. We're almost seasonally <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> yeah, we just missed it. Just missed it. Um, Mary Olivia Hussey. Oh my god. <laughs> Queen of my life. I love it so much. Everything about it is perfect. Riley's wearing Jess's sweater right now also. I am from, um, well, I was going to say from Poltergeist and Paramours, even though she's sold out now, but still, um, watch out. (laughs) Watch out. Keep an eye out. (laughs) There you go. You better watch out. You better watch out. I got Christmas on the brain. You better watch out. (laughs) Anyway. That's the thing is like scary Christmas feels like somewhat reductive now because it's like such a thing. But like this yeah. is this is like the first one. This is the mother of all scary Christmas. So this it's is very cool to me. So fucking good. And it's also not like it doesn't go like really ham on the Christmas of it all. It's not like which Krampus, nice. which I like Krampus. Yeah. No offense yeah. to Krampus, but it's not like that. Like this could just be a regular horror movie, but it's just like a little extra spice. They're just like, what Christmas? if it was also Christmas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still really mad. This is, again, with me and... I say me and my IMDb trivia, like, you don't also read those. (laughs) But, like, I just started getting obsessive about it because I love, like, weird little fun facts. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't get through all of them before we started recording, which is a shame because the ones I do know are so cute and fun. (laughs) Um, But one thing I don't like, and this is just, like, true, uh, Uh is that they they release the movie as Silent Night, Evil Night. Uh, Yeah. I forget where I heard that. Because there's also... There's Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is like a killer Santa movie. So like, that's just confusing. Although this one right. probably came first, if I'm thinking about it. It did, I think. Yeah. Like they were clearly into Silent Night because that plays as the... Oh my God, does open. it ever. <laughs> not to start off. Not to start. Whoa. Hey, why not start? The movie does indeed begin 
with Silent Night playing in an arrangement I've never heard. Like, I guess this is from many decades ago but still it's unique like, what the fuck is this it, like it felt very old tiny like it's it was like you know oh yeah oh yeah so timey so it could be <laughs> creepy you know it would be scary if a song was old <laughs> <laughs> you know what silent night went to the beach that makes you old so we are at a sorority house yes. at Christmas time. They're having some kind of Christmas festivity. It's like the beginning of winter break. So the girls are like having a little drink, a little chat. Um, and then we are treated to some shaky cam killer POV. Yes. And allow me to remind you that this movie came out before Friday the 13th, which is like incredibly iconic and like popularized that. But this movie did it first yeah, I was. That was one of the things I was reading. There's oh, a yeah? lineage of um of the the POV thing, and people often credit it to Halloween. Also, mm-hmm. like every classic horror movie, they're like they thought of it. It's like no, actually, somebody before them did it one. And like a lot of it, it's almost always Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's like really, it's Black Christmas. And before Black Christmas was Peeping Tom, which we're gonna watch. Yes, which I'm so excited about because this is one of the only like really famous movies on this list that I've seen and Riley hasn't. <laughs> the old um, switcheroo. And it was my first, the first movie we watched in my film class. That's so exciting. I'm excited for that. But Peeping Tom did it and then Black Christmas did it and then Halloween did it and then Friday the 13th did it and now everyone does it because it's cool. Because it's fun. Uh, and yeah. like it's the only way to like let you see the killer without knowing who the killer is. Like yeah. It's the only way to keep the mystery alive. What's great about the POV shots in Black Christmas is that you can also hear the killer. Oh, and he's God. so heavy. <laughs> he's always making a noise. And he's making a lot of mouth sounds. He's always making the scariest noises in the world. Literally, he's like going like... <sighs> Sorry, Riley, and everyone <laughs> listening. Sorry, everybody. But it's horrible. It's like really effective. Like, to be fair, he did just like scale a wall into an attic window. So I true. guess it makes sense that he's breathing heavy. But he's like that all yeah. the time. Or just like yeah. crying. Yeah, yeah. He's breathing heavy before he even gets to like the he's little trellis well. outside. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not thriving. He sounds like me after I walk up the stairs <laughs> to my uh, my eighth graders who are on the top floor of the school. <laughs> it's so frustrating because it's three floors, but it's two sets of stairs per floor. That's how my apartment building is. So I'm like, I'm on the third floor, but it's six flights of stairs. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> Um, Black Christmas is also often referred to as the first slasher movie, mm-hmm. even though I would not be me if I didn't mention that this came out the same year as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. my beloved. But yes. regardless, either way, history. It came out a couple months later. Herstory. So. <laughs> herstory, you're fucking right. Black Christmas is herstory, baby. Yes, it is. And Texas Chainsaw is history. There you go. The two genders. Yeah. Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh, right. Well, so they only came out within like two months of each other. So mm-hmm. this was definitely like a really interesting coincidence of like people like just inventing slashers at the same time together. Right? <laughs> like, and I think that's beautiful. It's so cool. I hope Toby Hooper and Bob Clark like shared a beer about it one time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We get these creepy, gross POV shots. I don't know why, but I was like, ah, trellis. Classic. But like, Classic trellis. <laughs> Knives out who? Yeah. <laughs> You never see those unless someone needs to get into a window in a movie. <laughs> I will never purchase. Well, I'll never purchase a home full stop, but right, exactly. I will never purchase a home with a trellis. That's just asking for it. Yeah. You're going to get your shit rocked. Watch <laughs> out. You better watch you better out. Watch Santa out. Claus is going to climb your fucking trellis. <laughs> uh, no, but somebody is in this movie. <laughs> okay. So there's a very 70s Christmas party happening. It's, <laughs> it's so 70s. I'm going to pass out. 
Olivia Hussey's there in her incredible sweater, and the phone rings, and she answers it in the most hilarious fashion. If I may directly quote, she Please. says, Hello? Pardon? Who? I thought I was overreacting. No, I was she like, fucking screams. Hello? Pardon? Who? She does. And like, I, I think it's just because like, she's just like very like, I don't know. The thing is like, I somehow was shocked that she sounds the same as she sounds when she plays Audra in the movie It because that's what her voice is like. It's Hello? how she talks. But she also kind of pardon. Like, Who? She just sounds really alarmed all the time. <laughs> She's fucking screaming. Uh, it's just so funny. And like they are at a party, so I guess it's like supposed to be loud. But she's so much louder than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Everyone like answers the phone and they're like, hello, no, she's not here. And they're like, eh, but she's like, ah! like she- <laughs> it's so fucking funny. It will make me think of the John Mulaney thing where he's like, hello, hush. <laughs> it's that exact energy. <laughs> Pardon? Also- <laughs> Who? <laughs> at this point i wrote this heavy breathing is gonna make me crawl out of my skin yeah which is funny because that's like the tagline because the if this movie. movie doesn't scare you wait if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl then it's on too tight yeah i pulled that out of the back of my asshole yes. i'm sorry <laughs> no i liked it so much i liked it the whole time <laughs> even when you kept going Sorry, I just—you were saying something, and I screamed about my asshole. No, I, 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 I cannot understate or overstate. I cannot overstate how much I liked that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm having a weird day. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Like I'm good. I just nothing I say makes sense. You'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. So let's take this opportunity to meet the girls. Yes. Let's meet our primary girls. There's a lot of people in this movie, but like the mm. main girls, we have yeah. Jess played by Olivia Hussey, who's our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Barb played by Margot Kidder, who she's just like the vulgar one is like her character trait. Well, she's a bi slut. I found out. I'm sorry. Yes. No, go ahead. Yeah. No. So that's like one of the trivia things. And it's like, um, and I didn't pick up on this, which is funny as a bi person. Um, but Barb is meant to be bi. She's talking about like her boyfriends, but she's also just like reading, like she's looking at Playboy magazines. So she mm-hmm. likes ladies. And I thought she was just sex obsessed. So she was like, look, tits. But it's because she likes the tits in a gay way. <laughs> and then we also have Phil, who is like, I guess she would be like the bookish one. She has glasses. Yeah. So probably. Yeah. And she's played by uh, Andrea Martin, who some people yes. might know from my big fat greek wedding and i'm sure lots of other important things but my main thing that i know her from is my big fat greek wedding and i love her so much she's so great and then last but not least we have claire who's like the new girl and she's like quiet and shy um but we Mm -hmm. also get to meet her boyfriend who has the (laughs) best fur coat in all of cinema history you guys would not believe and it's the actor's real fur coat it's straight up tied with j-lo's fur coat and hustlers like those two can't be beat it's like so 70s but it would still work yeah it's just great it's It's everything at one point he was interviewed and they were like that coat huh and he's like yeah that was mine i still have it in my closet like several years later which is really cute i would never get rid of it also barb at one point is on the phone with her mother like everyone's getting phone calls and like talking to their boyfriends and all that good stuff and barb says the most wild thing in the world on the phone with her mom if i may please you're a real gold-plated whore you know that mother (laughs) what (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) that's margot kidder is so perfect in this movie like everything everything. she does is the right thing (laughs) 
it's so funny. She has all these like wacky ass lines and she delivers them so well. But just like for a moment, imagine having the balls to call your mom a whore <laughs> and then take it a step further by calling your mom. And I'm again, quoting a gold plated whore. So the girls get another phone call. The phone rings so goddamn much in this house. Like yeah. it's out of control. And there are 10 girls living in there. So I guess it yeah. makes sense. And it was the seventies when like people actually used phones to call people with yeah <laughs> but the phone rings so much but it rings again and it's just someone heavy breathing and moaning on the other line and Jess is like it's the moaner again <laughs> yeah and they're like oh they all gather around so uh Barb takes the phone uh to like cuss out the caller and he threatens her and also drops cunt in the first 10 minutes of the movie's yeah. runtime which makes any movie my favorite movie <laughs> <laughs> it's so obscene like you just aren't ready for it. Yeah, no, it's just like, and he's like, it's like, it's not just like someone like, it's not just threatening. It's like really like wet and scary. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, it's gross. Also though, they're like, oh man, like that's, that's really scary. And she's like, are you kidding me? I get like two phone calls a day like this in the city. <laughs> and I'm like, Barb, that's not normal. Are you giving out your number? Are you okay? Barb, get help. Um, but then she says something foul. I don't remember exactly what, but she says something that like offends Claire. So Claire retreats upstairs to go pack her belongings. I wrote this one down because it was another one that made me laugh. Claire asks a really smart question, actually, where she's like, is it possible that there's like, like, could that be more than one person on the other mm -hmm. end of the line? Like, that sounds like more than one person, which I agreed. It does. <laughs> Barb goes, no, Claire, it's the entire Morbin Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call. I'm so <laughs> oh, mad yeah. that I stuttered on that. Um, it's so funny. I, I was like, that's the best line in all of cinema. It's the entire Mormon She's Tabernacle She's so good. <laughs> yeah, so Claire does get upset and go up to her room. To the most 70s bedroom of all time. Yeah. There's like groovy flower wallpaper. Like it's out yeah. of control. Is that, are they in, is when like, you know, when Miss Mac is like covering the butt with her hand, is mm -hmm. that Claire's room? Yeah. yeah. Claire has like such a hippie poster of two people, like maybe kind of having sex in the shape of <laughs> yeah. a peace sign, basically. Yeah. It's so funny. She has such like hippie dippy shit all over her walls, which it's I fantastic. love that for her. Especially because mm -hmm. she's kind of shy. Yeah. And like a little prim. I love that she's like a balls out hippie too. That's really cute of her. But also it's really interesting because he's like, blah, 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 and something about piggy cunts and shit. And then he's like, yeah. I'm going to kill you. And he says it really, like really clearly. And yeah. then hangs up the phone and it's like, whoa. Like these phone calls are so scary. Yeah. And also Barb doesn't say that he like said, I'm going to kill you. She's just like, fuck she that guy. She probably didn't and take like, it seriously at I all. I know. I guess that's true. And like, I so always scary. am like, I would, if someone said, I'm going to kill you on the phone, I would probably be upset about it for a little longer than is productive and then forget about it. You know? Right. Like, what would I do? Yeah. But it's so hard. I'm not going like... to call the cops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, Barb says something really shitty because, well, Claire mentions that somebody was assaulted. She was like, oh, that townie girl oh, was raped. Yeah. And she goes, oh, Claire, yeah. you can't rape a townie. And it's like. I think that's what makes her go upstairs. No. Yes. You're so right. She's like, that's really fucked up of you to say. And then she leaves. Yeah. Look at us putting the pieces together. We got there. We wrote a movie. We wrote Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. It's me, um, Carl. I had it open just a second ago. <laughs> Sorry, me, Carl. Carl. It's like Carl Zitcher. Thank you for your work, Carl. We love you. Yes, we do. We love it. Sorry, we forgot to mention you before. Illy. So basically, Claire leaves, and then Jess is, is like Barb. 
she already is having trouble fitting in. Can you stop attacking her all the time? Yeah. And Barb's like, no, she's a virgin. (laughs) And we hate those. Yeah. Which was also interesting, though, because this totally doesn't follow the virgin trope thing. I know. It's like the first one and also breaks all the rules of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And the first person to, well, I'll save it. But um, <laughs> save it, save it. Build to that. <laughs> um, she's like, "What is she a professional version?" And I was like, "Hey, <laughs> maybe." Yeah. Also, we don't know. She just says yeah. that. Like, it might not be true. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say, though, I was like, just this whole meeting Barb. She's like very a lot all up front. She's yeah. also like getting drunker by the second in this oh, scene. Yeah. It feels like. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So I know who's going to die first. But I was wrong. Spoiler. Barb doesn't die first. <laughs> anyway, so Mrs. Mack comes home. Yeah. And I don't know how sororities work. <laughs> so I was very alarmed at her whole deal. Well, yeah, I don't think this still is. Still alarmed at her whole I deal. I mean, I also don't know how sororities work. We had two sororities at our college and I had nothing to do with either one of them. Yeah. But like, I don't think this is common practice in like modern day to have a house yeah, mother. Definitely not anymore. Because like... <laughs> girls in their 20s like they can mother themselves <laughs> yeah when we were juniors rra was like a sophomore yeah. like it's it's fine it's just someone who like calls campus police if everyone's too drunk like it's yeah. not a fucking deal but times were different i suppose they were you needed to have an adult lady in the house except that mrs mac uh, she makes me like really sad this character no that's actually really fair she like really upsets me no you're right too because the thing is they play off all her crazy wild stuff like to be silly like isn't she so funny and i'm like she's just drinking all day and like yeah. hiding her liquor from like the young girls she lives with and i'm like this yeah. is so fucking sad and they give her a christmas gift and it's this like ugly mumu that she hates and she's like humiliated wearing it in front of them and it just makes me want to cry i thought she bought it for herself i was confused because she was like i was just at the shops i know they give that to her as a christmas present they're like put it on and she's like no i don't want to like put it on they all like laugh at her and like i don't think they mean it in like a mean-spirited way like i think they're just like giving her a mumu for christmas but like you can like see it upset her and it makes me sad I love that you're sympathetic towards Mrs. Mac because I just kind of took her at face value and was like, she's so silly. And like, I mean, like, like that's that's what you're supposed to do. That's like the no, but that's the mentally stable way of reading this movie. No. <laughs> you're being sweet. You're being empathetic. <laughs> I'm being like a dick, basically. That's what they want you to do. That's the that's what yeah. you're supposed she's there, to do. She's there to make you laugh. She's like comedic relief. I think. She's comedic relief, and every time I see her, I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> She is such a cartoon, though. Like, she comes yeah. in and she's like, girls! They say something about she's, like, the star of, like, the 1891 vaudeville scene. But then there's a record in her room that says the McHenry sisters. That's so sad. So, like, she might have... I mean, I don't think... If she's alive in the 70s, she wouldn't have been alive in 1891. Well, she's not 80. Yeah, exactly. Unless That's, she's supposed to be 80. <laughs> that does, Yeah, that'd be crazy. There's no way. Yeah, right. But the idea that she she has this very kind of like she, she's very vaudevillian. She's very like she is boisterous and silly and everything. But she simply hides a bottle of whiskey in like every square foot of the house. Which it's like that those nuts. parts are kind of funny. She like opens a book funny. and there's like a bottle of liquor inside, and I'm like, haha, yeah. how charming. No. And it's also like there's so much liquor in this house. You don't gotta hide it in a book. But that's <laughs> Uh, and she's like don't let them see me drinking i'm like you know they would love it if you drank with them they're drunk 24 <laughs> 7 yeah, they're all they're all at least a little drunk right now probably oh for sure um 
Yeah, I so I got distracted and I said, who the fuck is Mac? And why are they all screaming at her to try on this <laughs> nightgown? I think we also get another intercut like POV killer shot, do we? Oh, yes, because now now we're back to Claire up in her mm-hmm. room packing and there's like a rustling sound from her closet. And then we get the POV shot of the killer in the closet hiding behind some plastic dress bags. And I was like, I've seen the poster for this movie. Right, right. The iconic thing from this movie. But Claire thinks it's like the sorority house cat. Yeah, yeah. Rumbling around. Rumbling around? Rummaging yeah. around in the closet. Um, so she goes in to find the cat. And then we get like the iconic plastic bag kill from this Fuck. movie. Where he just like... Because we still don't see him because it's not revealed to the audience who he is. We they see his hands such a good job come out. Yeah, yes, just, like he's boom. still hidden behind the bags, but you see his hands and he like yeah. wraps the plastic around her face and just like suffocates her with these dress bags. And he's like, oh, like growling and like making like pig noises. Like he's like yeah, snorting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the, the kills in this movie too are so scary. Like all of them are terrifying. No, like there's not are. a single like throwaway kill. There really isn't. See, my notes are like, like I didn't really make a lot of notes about Claire dying just because I was so mesmerized this whole movie. Like, well, I was and just it so, it happens like, really fast. It's not like it prolonged. It's just like bag over her face, and then you see her later stuffed into a rocking chair in the attic with the plastic still around her oh, and man. like sucked into her mouth. Like yes, you can see yes. where she suffocated on oh. it. Woof, God. But like it, like looks like beautiful in a way, if I may no. say. Yeah, th- this is like a thing that happens a lot with Hannibal. Like they're always like just very artistically interesting. Yeah, interesting is a better word. I'm like, come on, that poster is like it's a gorgeous poster. Like it's, it's scary, stunning. but like, it's just so good, and it's like this iconic image, and it's creepy and cool. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's something you don't see replicated a lot. Like you would no. think every movie after this would have like a plastic bag suffocation kill. Yeah, because it's so good and effective. <laughs> It's something that really freaks me out just because it's that's like a thing on Pushing Daisies. Somebody gets killed mm. with a plastic bag. Yeah, I'm thinking of like Chucky, or pardon me, I'm thinking of Child's Play, but... Is there a plastic bag? Oh, Chucky like pulls a bag over the detective's face. Yes. Okay. But it doesn't kill him. Yeah. Oh, but I'm yeah. trying to think of... There was a challenge on Dragula this season where they like suffocated the <laughs> This show is illegal. Holy shit. Um, yeah, but I was I was really surprised that a meek virgin was the first character to die in this movie. Yes, I couldn't. Bar- I mean, she, like maybe she's not a virgin, but the idea of this like very kind of more proper, very kind of more proper, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, what? It, it, it was gonna be. It should be Barb. The rules mean it would be Barb, and so I was like, oh, that's exciting. And like they kill um, her so hard and so much. They do. The only thing is, like, she's kind of a black sheep, so it makes sense. But also, it's, like, not, like, that's not as much of a trope. Like, it's it's kind of sad. Like, she's yeah. isolated, and that's why it's easy to kill her first. Yeah. Um, well, then, the next day, her dad arrives on campus to pick her up and take yeah. her home. And, obviously, she doesn't show up. So, yeah. he goes to sorority house, and the house mom shows him around her room of 70s oh hedonism. And he's, <laughs> like, very suspicious. And also, like, she's covering she So this poster I was talking about where um, it's, like, two people, like, laying on top of each other naked, uh-huh. you know. And one of them has their legs spread and one of them has their legs closed. So it looks like a peace sign and they're, like, in a circle of flowers or some shit. So the most hippie thing you could possibly imagine. Uh-huh. Um, and what's-her-face is covering it with her hand. 
uh, Claire's dad is like, let me see ass. Like he, like, cause she closes the door so he can't Show see it. And then when she leaves, <laughs> he like opens the door to see. It's like, you can imagine what's back there. Like you don't need to like remove her. Like you don't need to see to know that it's, she's covering I ass don't know. crack. Maybe this man has never seen a booty hole. Yeah, I would believe it. True. One thing I do want to bring up at some point before, um, like after Claire is murdered, nobody knows mm-hmm. what happened. And Peter, Jess's boyfriend calls up. And he's oh, like, I yeah. want to. I fucking hate this guy. A trigger warning for me talking about how much I hate this guy. Trigger warning for Peter, honestly. Yeah, he Any, sucks anyone so who knows anything bad. about this movie knows trigger warning for Peter. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Like, oh my god, we'll get there. Yeah. But he, uh, they're on the phone, and um, uh, she's like, hey, like, when can I see you? I want to talk about something. And he's like, I haven't slept in three days. I'm like, okay, but that does feel important later. Right, because now, now's the time that Jess yeah, yeah. has to have a talk with Peter, who, if you haven't gathered, is the shittiest boyfriend in the world, I and just like him. one of the shittiest humans. Like, good God! <laughs> oh my God! Like, I can't eloquently express my hate because it's just me being like asshole, piece of shit, fuckface. Like, I just like I can't. I just get mad, so I curse. It's just white hot rage. I feel for this man. Yeah. So, Jess tells Peter that she is pregnant. And wants to get an abortion. And he flips his shit forever about it. It it makes my blood boil. Also, I was really surprised that she was pregnant and that they were like, I was like, I can't believe they let her say abortion. That's like she and like to just have like such a steadfast pro-choice protagonist in like any movie, let alone a 70s horror movie. (laughs) No. And like were abortions were not legal back then. I don't think. I don't I actually don't oh, know. No. This was a year after Roe v. Wade, actually, I think. Oh, okay. Because so I was freshly legal. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I'm going to. Well, I've just Googled abortion legal and, like, that's a big thing. But so when. Which just, like, yeah, like, abortions aren't new. Like, it's not like they didn't happen in the 70s, obviously. No, of but it's just something, like, surprising to hear a character speak so frankly about. And, like, the fact that she's not, like, oh, no, I'm pregnant. Like, what will I do? I can't kill my baby. She's, like, I'm pregnant and I don't want to be, but there's a way for me to not be pregnant that I yeah. can do, and I'm going to do that. Yeah, so Roe v. Wade was um was passed in 1973, okay. which decriminalized abortion nationwide. So it was already legal in a lot of states, but but it was also interesting because one of the things that I read is uh, Olivia Hussey and Bob Clark both were like, we weren't trying to make a pro-choice movie, which is like interesting to me. Cause I'm like, you did. I get though. that. I get that though. They're just yeah. like, she is just having an abortion. Like it's not, no, it's true. Like they're not making a statement. It's just yeah. like, you don't necessarily have to empathize with her choice. Right. It's just like a plot point in a movie. <laughs> yeah. That's like, they, they literally, I think Olivia Hussey was like, we wanted them to have something to talk about. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's like a, an interesting thing to explore. Um, I just think it's great. No, it is. It's really cool. Um, I was really excited about it. But she's very level-headed and calm about it. And he starts... She's like, like, you're being fucking crazy. No, because immediately he says something insane. He's just very much on the jag of like, you can't hurt our baby. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no. Because he says, you can't... Because she's like, I'm not... Key- I don't know. He's like... Well, because she says I'm pregnant, he's like, "That's wonderful," and I'm like, "Dude, you like, guys are you're in college. college. That is Although not he says wonderful." Something about like eight years of his life, so he might be like a senior year grad student. Yeah, because he's like a he is a conservatory student. He's like yeah. a he's a musician. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long he's been at this school, and she's seemingly still an undergrad. Yeah, it's also interesting because the actor was 38. I believe that. 
Come on. Yeah. And she was 22. So, oh my God. Yeah. Listen. Crazy. But she tells him and she's like, I don't want to keep it though. And he goes, you can't make a decision like that. You didn't even ask me. And she was like, I wasn't even going to tell you. I just want you to know that this is what's happening. Exactly. And then he's freaking out. And she's like, do you see why I didn't bring this up? Like, Because look at you. Look at your behavior. Neener, neener, neener. Literally. He says so many like just creepy and awful things. And he's like, don't you think of anyone but yourself? And I'm like, first of all, she doesn't have to. Second of all, like. She knows she would not raise this baby in a good environment if she was yeah. forced to have it. Like I, She is thinking of someone other than herself, which is the potential child she could have that would have a terrible life if you two were her parents. Or, yeah, oh my God. I don't know why I presumed the gender of that baby. <laughs> no, I think it's very girl boss of that baby to be a girl. He's like, I just, you can't make a decision about your own body without telling me first. Right. Like, I know it's stupid to be shocked at this behavior. Like, I probably couldn't even fathom the number of men that have treated their like wives girlfriends partners whatever like this yeah but it still makes me want to backflip to the sun <laughs> um boo but peter also he's like yeah fuck peter <laughs> <laughs> but he also was like do you know how important this afternoon is to me and then the rest of oh, our conversation God. it's totally mellow right we'll find out later he's got a fucking piano recital I I have so <laughs> much to say, so I'm going to hold off for right this, now. That like 30 second even... piano recital scene, I have a hundred things to say about. <laughs> me, me also. I flipped my absolute lid about it. Um, so after this really unsatisfying conversation, um, which I feel like, is she serving? I feel like she's serving. Oh yeah, she has like a pink beret, right? Yeah, she has like a floppy pink beret and like a like cool outfit on and i am she always does she dresses so well she does she dresses so good but we are then uh brought over to uh like a charity not like charity well it's like you know like a like a community service party kind of thing it's like for um for underprivileged youths Mm -hmm. um where phil um i don't know why i have such a strong urge to call her phyllis she just looks like a phyllis she's sure that's it it is phyllis they always call her phil like almost every single time but her like stupid boyfriend um, is Santa, and he's cursing up a goddamn storm. He's not even wearing like the beard over his mouth. He is not committed to the role. Yeah, and like he's like screaming and cursing about how he like wants to go out for the weekend and he can't because <laughs> of this like impromptu ski trip Barb is having. And these kids are sitting on his lap and like taking pictures, and he's like, "Ho ho ho, shit." and And then he's like he's like oh what a bitch and i'm like dude like there's kids in here it's very like the vibes of former president donald trump asking a seven-year-old if he still believes in santa claus (laughs) oh something really exciting that happens during the party exciting for me is that there's a really obvious split diopter shot so i noticed one finally (laughs) that was my Um, note just says split diopter and nothing else yeah um, and it's letting us see. So poor Mr. Harrison has been like redirected to this Christmas party because everyone's like, oh, Claire's probably around. Yeah. Um, they're like, come, we'll find out. Someone will know where she is. Um, but nobody really does. And that, yeah, Barb is there and she's the other half of the split diopter shot. And what Barb is doing is she is uh, feeding champagne or like wine or beer or fucking something to like what has to be a six year old child. Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck is going on here on this it's day? Crazy. And she like at some point later is like, this kid's fucking zooted. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> um You poured like brown liquor down his throat. 
yeah like care to explain that to the cops or something like yeah i said everyone in this movie is wasted all the the reason i wrote that was because mrs mac trips when she's coming back to the sorority house um but yeah so she gets a child just fucking absolutely drunk and then the next note i have is about olivia hussey answering the phone by screaming again so i don't know if i'm missing something nope that's what i have we just cut back to the house so while that's all going on jess is back at the sorority house and the phone rings again, and she immediately starts yelling. I don't even remember who's on the other end of the line. It's another, it's like the phone calls just get like progressively scarier. And yeah. this one, there's definitely multiple voices talking. And yeah. you can hear someone say, where's the baby? Uh, but that's the oh, only thing I made yeah. out in that call. No, you're right. You're right. And that <clears> obviously <throat> freaks her out a little bit because, hey. Hey, wait a minute. That's relevant. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's at this point, I think Phil comes home or someone calls over from the party. Basically, people start to worry about Claire being missing. Oh, I think someone tells Jess and then Jess goes to get Chris, Claire's boyfriend. Yes. Well, he's, and he's playing, playing hockey. hockey. Yeah. And he has such a wacky hockey mask on. It's like painted all crazy. <laughs> um, but he's like, he's like, oh, shit. Like, no, Claire went home. And she's like, no, no. Like, her dad's here. No one can find her. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, he freaks out because that's his fucking girlfriend. Yeah. And he puts on his fur coat. <laughs> And marches to the police station. Oh, no. You know what happens first? Barb at the police station. Yeah, Barb's at the police station with Phil. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, so Barb is just, oh, my God, blasted at the police station with Phyllis where they're trying to report Claire's disappearance. Yeah. So Barb plays a prank on a cop by telling him that the street address that the house is on is uh, something fellatio. And I don't know why, but I kind of, like, hate this bit. No, it's annoying. Like, I don't like it at all, but I did hear on one of the Joe Bob Christmas specials where he showed Black Christmas, he said that this actor playing the cop actually didn't know what the word fellatio meant, and Wait. nobody told him, so he's not even, like, fucking acting. He just doesn't know what the word fellatio means. Wait, that's kind of everything. So because it makes me like it. Beef with it. I was like, yeah, well, it's because it's like the, it's, um, and I didn't realize this was still a thing as late as the 70s, but right. I think she's trying to give him, like, the... Like the old timey phone number where you would be like, oh, it's Spring Meadow 632 right, yeah. or shit like that. Like F.E. Fellatio. Yeah. She's like, it's a new section or something. And I was like, what's happening? But I was like, I don't believe for a second anyone in the 70s wouldn't know what fellatio is. But I guess this probably man. not. Like nobody says fellatio anymore. I assumed it was like a. Well, the first time I ever heard the word fellatio, and I remember this really, really vividly because it was in the musical Hair and it's in the song Sodomy. And I was like, what did any of those words mean, mom? And she was like, ah. <laughs> I just know anytime I hear the word fellatio, I hear it in Logan Roy's voice. Oh. It's like, what does he want? A handshake? Fellatio? <laughs> <laughs> I always hear fellatio, which is annoying. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so I thought it was a 70s thing, but it's not because this cop doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But also she's like, she sneaks a beer like out of her pocket and like yeah. everyone's just like, oh, lit. But, but perhaps um, needless to say, the cops do not take this seriously at yeah. all. They're like 94% of missing women that are reported at the school are just at a cabin with their boyfriend and the other 6% fuck them. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like the cops are like, well, most people who are missing aren't dead. So that's enough, right? I also thought Claire was just in her own bedroom. And I was like, did, mm. no, did no one think she just opened her bedroom door? But obviously not. She's up in the attic, baby. Okay, so now it's time for Peter and his fucking piano recital. <laughs> I Don't hate even? this man so much. So this is, I wrote, <laughs> my notes just say, um, 
Peter cannot play the piano. He like sucks. And he like makes piano playing look douchey, which is like for me very difficult. Cause I think piano playing is like incredibly attractive and like yeah, alluring cool and I enjoy it, but he makes it look like so stupid. Yeah. And he's I, not he's, good at it. He's so bad. Like, he's so bad. And furthermore, Furthermore, he is sweating to death in Uh, his fucking, like, cable-knit turtleneck and knit sweater. I'm like, lose a layer. Lose the jacket. (laughs) Like, he is dripping onto the keys. (laughs) It's just... Okay, because I have... All right. What I think is supposed to be going on in this scene is that Peter is so distraught at the prospect of Jess having an abortion that he like can't play correctly. <laughs> but what it sounds like, like, because, okay, not to be like, I'm a music teacher. Cause I, this, I, that I'm not a good one. I don't know anything about music. I didn't teach time signatures, right? I taught them fucked up and it took me a long time to realize I was incorrect. <laughs> I taught all four of my middle school classes, the wrong thing. Anyway, <laughs> the song sounds like a coherent composition. Like he wasn't just smashing random keys. It was like a song that was written to sound horrible. It, it like sounds like which he's like, almost like doing something like really artistic and like dissonant. But yes, he's, exactly. It's just, he's just but it's bad. So bad. It's like there's nothing interesting about it. It just makes me want to like cut off my ears. <laughs> he's just like, really <laughs> bad at playing the piano. <laughs> I, I wrote this is the worst song I've ever heard. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, no wonder they fucking hate it, you idiot. Learn how to play the piano. What have you been doing for eight years in this conservatory? (laughs) You can't play the piano? Like, God. Because, like, I mean, I realized the reason... Okay, you know that thing Jingle Bells 2? And it was like, this made me fail music theory or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Like, obviously that's not good, but it's, like, interesting and hilarious. Yeah. And, like, you can see someone trying to, like, do something with it. This is just shit. But this feels like that, except with just nothing interesting and everything... Awful. just awful and his fingers he's like fumbling over the keys so i'm like get it together bro it's exhausting i like this is beside the point but it really bothers me that he doesn't change his clothes after this like he's wearing that turtleneck for the rest of the movie even though we just saw him like drenching it in sweat and i'm like that's gotta yeah, be so and uncomfortable it's... and he's going out in the snow in his like sopping wet turtleneck uh-uh <laughs> yeah. uh-uh it's just funny because he's like the implication that he can't play because he's upset about the abortion. He also hasn't slept in three days. Yeah, maybe take a nap before your big recital, big guy. But then a- is it is after this when they bring Chris to the cops? Is that when she gets him? And yes, because we're back at the station and we learn that there's also a 13-year-old girl who is missing. And the cops are equally shit at handling that. Yeah, but Chris, I think, at this point busts in. And, and now it's like- the return of the fur coat. Yes, and he's like, what the absolute fuck? Um, and he, like, knows some... He knows, like, the main cop detective man. Yeah, I think so. Man, so it's, I like, don't... a little less, like, oh, a man showed up, so now we're taking it seriously. It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they have a relationship. Yeah, and it's also, like, implied that Nash is a fucking it... Well, obviously, because he doesn't know what Felicio is, and he doesn't care right. about him. Well, that's the thing, too, because I was like, what the fuck? Um, and eventually, the smart cop is, like... You didn't think to look into this idiot? And he was like, no. I think Jess calls up about the... I don't fucking know. My, she does. Because now I don't trust my notes. No, you're right. But yeah, there's a 13-year-old girl who's missing, and that's not good. And then Claire's missing. Yeah, so Chris just bursts into the precinct in this beautiful fur coat and calls the first cop he sees both a son of a bitch and an idiot. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm in love with him. <laughs> He's correct. 
it is worth noting that, as I always do, well, you already heard probably from the <laughs> intro, but this is when I had the genius idea that Phil and Chris and Jess should all date. Uh, I think Chris is a cutie. He is. I just want him to be happy again. Yeah. His like, girlfriend got murdered. That's sad. Yeah. I'm really sorry for suggesting he should be in a polyamorous relationship with two <laughs> other women after his girlfriend just got murdered, but he's hot. What can I say? What can I say? And I guess Ken, this is Ken, the big adult man cop is like, so let me get this straight. A sorority house has been receiving obscene phone calls and one of the sorority sisters went missing and a girl was assaulted recently and now a a young a young woman, a girl, a fucking 13-year-old girl is is missing. And you didn't think that this was something we should look into? And Nash is like all these uh-huh. very obviously related <laughs> crimes and Nash is like, "Yeah, I thought it was bullshit." He's like, "Okay." <laughs> we see barb is just sloshed at the sorority house Oh yes and unfortunately i also heard on the joe bob special that it seems like margot kidder was as well during the filming of this movie yeah which is pretty sad and then she somehow gets the idea that everyone thinks it's her fault that claire is missing because the two of them didn't get along so she's having this like big drunken outburst basically like everyone blames everything on me kind of and i think it's it's sort of she feels guilty because like claire disappeared after and they she was got mean to her argument. yeah yeah that's, that's really sad um also though she's like that's when she's reading her like playboy magazines with these naked girls everywhere and it's like mrs mack is like trying to serve like dinner to the a very distressed mr harrison right <laughs> and barb is just like plastered and she's like did you know there's a turtle that can fuck for three days straight and phil's like hey hey barb there's a man whose daughter might be dead. <laughs> and she's like, I've seen it. I went to the zoo. She's like, not for three days straight. I went to the zebras. Zebras prematurely ejaculate. It's like, uh, okay. And then she's like, also, I have a guilt complex. And it's like, ah, okay. And then they all sent her to bed. And it is then that we are treated to just a scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know how to describe my feelings about it because it's like, I'm so outraged that I'm delighted about it. Yeah. It's, it's like I could point to this and be like, not only the misogyny, but this man is a fucking crazy person. Because we cut to Peter having a fucking tantrum over his recital sucking. <laughs> he destroys the school piano. He takes a microphone stand and smashes it into the open piano. And he a like rips up all the wires. Like that is so expensive. Yeah. And it's not his pee. Like, it's school property. And he destroys it in his little outburst. Like, I don't think we had more than, like, like, okay. There were, like, maybe three grand pianos in all of our college. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if, like, we just, like, had a bad rehearsal and we, like, smashed one of those pianos in one of the rehearsal rooms? And, like, there was no fucking way. Yeah, there was only one in the rehearsal rooms, I think. Or maybe there were a couple. I mean, it was, we had a music program, but it was, like, holy shit. You can't do that. You can't so do that. Dollars. You can't break one of those that's like, not yours. That is at least a semester of tuition. You can't. You least. shouldn't even. You can't break one of those that is yours. I'm saying, if you have something that expensive, yeah, you're no. not allowed to break it. Yeah. If you destroy a grand piano, fuck you. What's wrong with you? You are going to hell. <laughs> like unless it's so that like you're only allowed to destroy a grand piano if your life literally depends on it. Yeah. Then you get a pass. Maybe. Not if you're just bad at playing the piano. You don't get to destroy yeah. one. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but while Peter's being a whiny little bitch baby about his own lack of talent, um, 
<laughs> Phil and Jess and Chris and several, several other townspeople have gathered to um, to have a search party for both the missing girl, Janice, and for Claire. And I, I don't know why, but I was like, I just felt like very heartwarmed about this. Like, obviously, it's a really sad thing, but like the community coming together and it made me like miss college. Yeah. Like, like not to, like people would look for me, but there wouldn't be a search party if I was missing. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I have loved ones around and everything, but it's like there are not enough people concentrated in <laughs> one place that party. give a shit about me, you know? Yeah, no, like people have to drive out yeah. from other places. That's Riley, true. If you ever go missing and you don't drive specifically I from don't Chicago have a car. to New York, well, you better get one if I go missing, baby. <laughs> I'll sell my grand piano and get a car. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it's okay to break a grand piano is when your best friend goes missing. <laughs> Because while the search party is happening, um, Mrs. Mack, the house mother, stays back by herself. And she is looking for Claude the cat. So she goes looking in the attic. And riddle me this. How the fuck did she think a cat climbed up the ladder to the attic? It's like a rung ladder. Like, can cats do that? Well, she, like, thinks she hears him meowing or something or maybe, like, rustling around. And she's like, how'd you get up here? You can't be up here. And it's like, well, if you don't think the cat could possibly be up there. It's probably not the cat up there. Don't go yeah, in hello. there. If anything, it's like a raccoon, you know? Like, Call animal control. Say there's something in at your the very attic. Least. It's actually up there. It's David Stevens, my beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Skittering around in the attic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to do it every episode. No, we have to um, now. But think about it. <laughs> I'm, totally thinking I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Skittering around in the attic. You imagine him just like He's living brilliant. in the attic of a sorority house. <laughs> just murdering. He loves it. Yeah, just heavy breathing into the phone. Um, also, what's really funny is Mrs. Mack has a cab waiting for her outside. Yeah, and he's like, lady, beep, beep. And she's crawling around the it's attic so looking for funny. her cat. And she's like, you can wait. I'm like, you've been making him wait for a long time. It's like, he gets it makes me anxious how long he's waiting out there. Yes. I'm like, your Uber's going to charge you. He's going to drive literally so once she's in the attic she sees claire's body in that rocking chair and in her shock and surprise she gets fucking got by the killer the killer's just standing up there and like we only see their hands Mm -hmm. holding like this big metal hook on a rope yes and they just send it flying she gets hooked and she's just like dangling there all dead and such awful it's so gnarly and very scary and then um the killer has a tantrum in the attic and we just saw someone else have a tantrum Hmm? also at one point we kind of we see the killer outside like because i think they break back in or like re-enter i don't before like i think when they get mac they were outside before they go inside it's like Mm. it's a man i don't know why i'm saying that and you see the haircut and it totally looks like it could be peter's hair that fucking shag yeah, yeah. You never see the killer's face. But, like, at one point I thought the killer was wearing a green turtleneck. And I was like, damn. Um, but we'll get there. Anyway, I think the haircut looks like Peter's haircut. So I was very much in the Peter did it wagon. And it just, it makes sense. It makes the most sense. It does. And it's like, it makes it's a lot of sense. Obvious. Like, yeah. But it doesn't feel, like, super obvious as it's, like, happening. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like little um, things like that where, like, you see Peter smash the piano. And then you see the killer having, like, a whiny crying tantrum in the attic. And you're like, those are two similar yeah. things I just saw happen. Hmm. Yeah. And then I was thinking about Billy Loomis. It's, like, this idea of, like, can't actually trust your boyfriend. Hee hee hee. Right. Also, somebody else has a tantrum and it's the cab driver. Um, he doesn't it's just so funny he like comes up to the door and he's like hello anyone in the world 
And it's, like, interesting, too, because when Miss um, Mac gets hooked, like, it seems like it's on a pulley or maybe the killer's pulling on the other one because she, like, bobs up and down. Yeah. And, like, her feet disappear right as he gets up to the window so he can't Blech. see. It's, like, it's so, it's so well done. It's also really funny because he's, like, angrily gesturing, but it's not any recognizable gesture that I can no, tell. No, just flailing. Like, he doesn't do the, like, the Italian thing of when you, like, flick your hand out from under his chin. It looks like he kind of bites his thumb or something, mm-hmm. but... And then, like, I thought he was going to double flip off the house, but he just, like, waves his hands in a circle. It's so funny. <laughs> He's so angry. He's, like, very, very maybe Italian. <laughs> also, that's, like, a cameo. I forget who it is. But that's Aww, somebody. that's fun. I think a producer. Aw. But, yeah, the killer's having a meltdown. And then we go back to the search party and our little crew of, like, Chris and I think the the main cop and um, Phil and Jess are all kind of huddled around a trash can. It's, like, very, very cold out. hmm um and they're like we're gonna go back home because jess has to meet up with peter yeah to have a discussion um also because she's like yeah i don't want to talk about this anymore and he's like but i do so we're going to and she's like yeah she leaves the search party and then pretty much immediately after she leaves they find the body of the 13 year old missing girl now dead it's so much too because we just hear this woman start screaming and you're like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh And the mom is there and she's freaking out and it's just so much. But like Claire's dad is there too and you can kind of see him yeah. be like, oh, thank God that yeah. it's the 13-year-old girl who is dead yeah. and not my daughter. And that's a very complicated moment, I think. So Jess gets home and receives yet another phone call. Oh, and this is the um, first time we get the name Billy because uh, you can hear the yes. voice saying like, filthy Billy, nasty Billy, I know what you did. Um, so now we're going to start calling the killer Billy because yes, that's his name. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I think Billy, if we, I think we hear the name Billy. There's like this creepy song that occasionally plays. Um, and it's something about like Billy. And we also hear Agnes. And it was like mm-hmm. Billy cut like a deer skin to wrap his baby Alice or Agnes or something. It's, yeah. it's weird. Um, it's a very creepy nursery rhyme sounding thing that I don't know if it's real, but if it's real scary cool cool choice to use the names i uh, i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> riley cut everything i say cut no. every fucking thing i say i won't um but something really interesting that happens this time when billy calls because he's still really distressed and he's crying and he says oh god please help me please stop me yeah um i i freaked out about that that's that was so cool um and Olivia hits us with a classic that we see again in It because she has this like her horror archetype is like un un, un- underappreciated partner. Yeah, <laughs> like I love Bill and I love Bill and Audra, but in the miniseries he does not do enough to keep that woman. Oh no! <laughs> but she does her for God's sake. What are you doing? <laughs> and then she's like, "Stop this!" Yeah. Like I feel like word for word she literally says, "For God's sake, what are you doing?" To Bill, I'm I don't positive. Know if I'm, right. I'm positive she does. But like fucking yes she does it's just it's amazing because it sounds exactly the same and these movies are like almost 20 years apart i know well then peter comes bounding downstairs and he's like i was taking an angry nap up there and it's like sure you were sure you came here to take a nap like that's so that's such a fucking weird thing to say yeah he's like you're late and she's like do you want to know why I'm late? Claire disappeared and we've been looking for her. Like there's a search party and he goes, how noble. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Fuck you. Literally all the way forever. You. Are you kidding? She's like, yeah, my friend is missing. My sorority sister has gone missing. And he's like, wow, really nice of you to help instead of come talk to me. And then this is 
This is so unimportant, but before Jess and Peter have their talk, she like tries to phone in the call to the police yes. and the cops hilariously say, I think it's Officer Fuckle Nut, whatever, what's his name? Yeah, Nash. 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 And he's like, well, miss, we're very busy. There's been a child murdered in the park. And just the way he says yeah. it is so funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, there's another crime, so we can't do anything else. There's been a child murdered in the park. And she's like, I was at the search party. But she didn't know the child was dead. And she gets that news and she is upset. And Peter's like, what are you all upset about? And she's like, a girl just got murdered. And he's like, but what about me? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And now it's time for the worst conversation ever. Just god awful. And then, yeah, and she's talking about Claire being missing. And he's like, oh, I'm sure she's fine. Anyway, let's talk about me. I didn't have a good time at my piano recital. And I don't (laughs) want to live in a dorm anymore. I don't play piano good. And then he's like... Yeah, I don't like living in a dorm, and I'm quitting the conservatory because I suck at piano, and also we're getting married. And having this baby. He literally doesn't propose. He informs her that they are getting married. Right. And then then she responds with, like, my favorite fucking thing she says in this movie, where she's basically like, okay, well, like, just because you're over your dream of being a concert pianist, like, doesn't mean that I automatically don't want the things in life that I want anymore. Like, that's not yeah. how, that's not how this works. Like, just because you're done with your dream doesn't mean I'm done with mine. Exactly. And she's like, she's like, Peter, I don't want to marry you. <laughs> you're, you're the worst and I don't like you. Yeah. And he immediately goes, all right, well, what about the baby? It's like, okay, she doesn't want to marry you. You think she wants to have a baby with you? Actually, you shouldn't think that because she's already told you she doesn't several times. And this drives him up the fucking wall. And he keeps saying, like, what are you trying to do to me? And I'm like, nothing, you asshole. This isn't about you. When he says that, she goes, what are you doing to yourself? Literally. And then before he like storms off, he threatens her and he's like, you're going to be very sorry, dude. If you try to go through with this, like it's, oh my God, like, dude, there's been like two murders. You can't be doing this. And also like, she just saw like a dead child and he's like, you have to have a baby right now or I'm going to kill you. Out of control. He doesn't say, or I'm going to kill you, but like, you'll be very sorry. He says, you're going to be very sorry. If you do this. And like, it's obviously not like he's going to break up with her because that's not like. Right. It's, she it's wants that. It's not even in his wheelhouse. Exactly. And so then we go back to the precinct and they're like talking about stuff in the office. And I was just like not completely following what was going on. And then one of the men starts laughing so hysterically. <laughs> he's like crying. Like, what's happening? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess what's happening is this is when I, I think his name is Ken. I'm going to call him Ken. If I'm wrong sorry uh, he looks like zach efron every oh once in a while did you see that no every but once now in a while he just fucking look. looks like zach efron i was like that's his dad no <laughs> but um and then they're like well we're gonna deal with the paperwork which is when they see the fellatio phone number and uh man that man goes like ken laughs too but that one man i think he's literally credited as like laughing office man he's losing it <laughs> The payoff of this joke, like, does actually make me laugh a little bit, though, because it is. It then good. Officer Nash, he's like, yeah, that uh, the girl from the sorority house came here and she gave it to me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. she gave it to you. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's yeah. funny. Felatio, she gave it to me. And I think that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. But all and also there's like they're cracking up and he's just standing there and there's this really long just shot well it's not a long shot but it's just this really long take just on his face and he's like 
almost not even moving because he doesn't fucking know it's so funny he's just like he's like trying to figure it out and he just goes oh i know it's something dirty ain't it but and it's that just sends them. Takes <laughs> such a long pause that it's really funny yeah, it's really good even harder like i don't love the it's setup good, but the payoff good. of the joke is really funny no exactly <laughs> anyway but so that that all goes down and then uh the cops come to the house because they're like mm-hmm. maybe we should take this seriously uh and they're asking questions about claire and they hit us with a classic uh did she have quote emotional problems <laughs> <laughs> but they're talking about like oh, we were partying and everything. And I was like, you can't tell a cop you were having a party. <laughs> and then I remembered the drinking age used to be 18. <laughs> so the cops are there to bug the phone, bug the phone, tap the phone. I forget what they say. But so that all the tap calls the phone, that go into the sorority house will also route to the police department phone. And mm-hmm. so basically next time that Billy calls, Jess has to keep him on the line long enough for them to like manually trace the call. Like, I yeah. I was born in 1997. I don't know how phones work. But there's just this, like, big fucking room of, like, wires yeah. and boxes. And this one fucking guy just, like, run around and, like, find the right box to figure out where the phone call is coming from. I was like, this man is never going to need to work out a day in his life. Just like, sprinting. He's going to be, like, 80 pounds lighter after this. But he's running all over creation. It's really funny. They're But they're setting up. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to tap the phones. And then they're like, they're there's a cop car outside so you've got nothing to worry about and phyllis goes yeah sure and i was like yeah like this is a feminist movie yeah fuck off <laughs> literally we see the cop car outside and then i think we keep going past it to see peter just standing in the woods <laughs> behind the house and like we recently were at the search party where they established that it is bitterly cold i know like, it is so freezing People- and he's in his sweaty turtleneck yes he's gonna get frostbite I, I wish he would. Anyway. He's just seething in the woods. <laughs> His rage keeps him warm. <laughs> he was infected with rage. He is infected with rage for sure. And then we really abruptly cut to Phil just crying. Oh, um, yeah. I, I think. forgot about that. Which is really heartbreaking, but it's also like she was really smooth a minute ago. And so then all of a sudden she's crying and I was like, oh, God. But, you know, understandable. Holy shit. A very scary, upsetting thing is happening. And your friend is probably dead. And she's like, I, Claire's dead. I know Claire's dead. So then Barb has an asthma attack in her sleep. And it is terrifying because she is like scream gasping for air. Like it's the scariest sound in the world. Yes. It was another thing where like the sound was so scary and upsetting. Like all the sounds, the noises in this movie are really fucking upsetting. It's like, yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever been this upset by sound in a movie. Yeah, fair. Like, it's so it's so well done. Um, um, so Jess rushes up there and, like, gives her her inhaler. And she's like, I was having a nightmare. I dreamt that there was a stranger in my room. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no. And we, do, we start to see, I think, another POV shot. I think cause I, the way I understood it was that Billy's in the room. Yeah. And then, like, doesn't actually do anything, I guess. Right, because Jess is she in there. She wakes up before he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Jess becomes distracted by a haunting children's choir at the door. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's so scary. She runs down. It's just funny, too, because Jess is being really sweet about it. Like, she's so delighted. Um, but it, it's haunting. They don't like, They sound yes. too good. Right. They sound like grown-ups, but they're children. And they sing forever. They sing for so long. They do, like, 20 verses. A really, really long rendition of Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And again, like, this is a song I, I just taught a huge 
amount of Christmas songs to my kids and none of them had the lyrics that this movie used. It was like so wild and it goes on forever, but this gives Billy plenty of time to, oh man, murder the absolute fuck out of Barb with her like own glass, little glass animal collection. Yeah. Well, just the one she has this, it's very pretty, this unicorn with like a very, very long horn. Boy, howdy, does he stab her with it. I said Chekhov's glass unicorn. Because as we, like, the establishing shot of Barb's room, like, really highlights these, like, glass figures. It's really pretty. But it's like, that thing's coming back. And you just have the horrifying chorus of children, like, singing over this happening. And it's such a good scene. Yeah. But so it's scary. Really but then the phone rings again. And we see the cops trying to chase it. And that guy running around. And on the yeah. other line, it's just, like, screaming and crying. But then... Billy directly quotes the argument that Peter and Jess were having. So you you put the dots together that that must be Peter. Um, and yeah. Jess, like, she says something. She's like, oh, my God. Or she, like, says something when she realizes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. he hangs up too fast, and they can't trace the call. And the cop asks her, like, did you recognize something? Because, like, you said, oh, my God. And she, she lies, obviously, to, like, protect Peter. Mm. which is fraught also i didn't even think of that well what i was thinking because i thought abortion was still illegal at this point oh or like criminal even and so i was like oh man but it's it's not that actually um but still i was surprised also it's just the thing of like the screaming and the crying it often sounds like different people and i was like yeah. is this what split is inspired by i was also thinking about split <laughs> i was like split is a ripoff of this movie and literally am i right you'll see <laughs> James McAvoy explain James McAvoy guest on the pod and think about what you've done <laughs> James McAvoy guest on the pod don't say a fucking word <laughs> just sit there and think about yourself we don't tell anyone James McAvoy <laughs> hears about this and he's like you know what I will guest on your podcast and we're like but you're gonna sit there silently the whole time and he's like yeah perfect the thing is i i can't be i'm not mad at him for that movie because he because he's so good so, in that movie he's like, it's like a beautiful acting job i know like i wish it was but, not the movie that it was so he could be exactly. like properly lauded for it yeah like oh my god m night Shyamalan's in trouble with me though <laughs> did you see old i didn't i have to see, oh, it. I have to see it my god <laughs> yeah i don't like i think any of his movies it's i hate crazy. split I, like, don't even know what I could possibly happen. I just know that woman who's, like, vain and takes selfies, like, melts off of herself. And it, I don't like, like that. really upset me. I won't, like, in, like, a good way, I was like, wait, this yeah. is actually doing something to me. Like, this ah. is actually really good, but then the rest of it is not. That's so funny. <laughs> There's, like, one scene where I'm like, I'm going to throw up. I'm so scared. <laughs> That's everything. And Alex Wolf is really good. Anyway, he always is. Pig. Hereditary. Naked Brothers Band. Get with the program. Ah. Oh, my God, though. So, the at the precinct... um the main cop hangs up with Jess and then I don't know what makes him say this, but I found out the laughing cop. I don't, well, I didn't find out cause I wrote these last night, but he is Buchanan, I think. Oh, and they have a conversation that like, I know is just a conversation. And these two men are like, these cops are friends. We're doing character work. But I was like, it was flirty. <laughs> was it like, no, but anything can be gay if you put on the gay goggles. It's I don't true. remember who said that. I think it was like Allison Brie. But he says to him, I'll bust you to Boy Scout. What? Oh, yeah. Like every movie we watch, someone says one turn of phrase that is like just so out of pocket weird. 
And he does the like scout's fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll bust it a horse girl. Okay. So Phil and Jess are talking and this is where Jess like brings up the he said something that Peter said to me and Phil's like, um <laughs> and then Jess says, Well, he's so gentle most of the time. I know. When? Yeah. When really point to a single time he was not gentle with the piano not gentle he was not gentle with your feelings not gentle with your feelings not gentle with your baubles on your christmas tree yeah holy shit isn't it i feel like jess is like it's fucking him and then phil's like i don't know about all that jess is like i'm worried it may be him and phil's like nah probably not and i'm like phil (laughs) and she's wearing such a 70s nightgown it's like this like red like flannelly thing i just was charmed by that i literally wrote peter calling i was so sure i was like no because this time it is this time the phone rings oh, again that's right. and this that's time right. it is peter that's right and he's like sobbing and crying about her killing the baby he's like don't hurt the baby and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the biggest fucking like wah wah it's in and like not even in like a men can't cry way like no, like to me to me there is like nothing sexier than a man who can like express his emotions freely but if a man like ever spoke to me in this way i would be sick i would be ill because he talks like he it's literally it sounds like he's like crying to his mommy and like I, again i don't mean like men can't right. cry it literally sounds like a child crying to their parent i thought it was peter as billy which i guess we're kind of meant to think that way almost but it also just doesn't make sense because he's so angry and like why is he sad it's like because he's doing it to like make her feel bad and i'm like that's what Fuck it is you that and he like might have hypothermia so he's probably going insane <laughs> <laughs> his brain is frozen also, I promise I'm going to drop the two cops in love thing in a second, but I wrote the funniest thing down, please, which is because the phone rings when Phil and Jess are like in the room together and it's the two cops like pick up also to listen in. And I said, just four gays waiting by the telephone. <laughs> and now I'll shut up about it. But Phil and Jess should date. True. And I will not back down about that. Don't. He, yeah, He's like, you know how I feel about the baby. And I'm like, how do you feel about the baby? Is there anything to feel? The like- baby you learned about today. Also, the baby that's, sorry, not a baby. Like, the fetus that you learned about today. Yeah, the fetus that, like, it could be a false test. Like, right. God, I, it's so early anyway. Like, it's literally, she's like, I might be pregnant. And he's like, my son. Like, <laughs> like literally. Because you know Peter wants it to be a boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he's not the kind of misogynist who, like, thinks he loves women and, like, objectifies them like he does. But he he's the kind of misogynist who doesn't like women straight up. <laughs> straight up. Once again, this call isn't long enough, and Jess is talking to the cops, and the detective is, like, weirdly, to me, too into her abortion. Like, yes, I understand why it's important that that's, like, a motive for Peter to be the killer, but he's yeah. like, what did he mean about killing the baby? And she's like, an abortion. He's like, an abortion? How long have you known you're pregnant? Like, when yeah, did you I'm tell? Like, like, which, like, I yeah. un- again, I understand, yeah. but he's like making such a fucking meal out of it in a way that just like feels icky and it feels like he's like it almost feels like he's putting her under suspicion right because he's like we can't kill the baby that's an odd thing to say like that's an odd way of putting it i'm like are you implying that they killed a baby together or that jess literally murdered a baby i don't like Like, it but then it's also the lead up to my favorite line of the entire movie (laughs) because the detective is starting to suspect peter as the most likely suspect and so he's like asking like 
is this something he would be capable of? Like, does he have like fits like this often? And she says, my favorite line in the movie, she says, he's an artist. He's high strung. (laughs) Not as high strung as those piano strings, baby. (laughs) It just fucking kills me. Gabby Hanna really said, I identify as an artist. And Peter took that to heart. I'm an artist. I'm high strung. So frustrating. The cops, and the, the cops are like, I oh, like, feel like you're holding out on me, Jess. I'm like, you don't need to know every detail about her bodily autonomy. I, but then also he can totally yes. tell that she's protecting Peter because like it makes the most sense that it would be Peter right now. But then Absolutely. Jess says that it can't be him because he was there when the killer called one time. Um, and they cut they and they they leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, she's, like, very relieved, and then Phil's like, I'm fucking tired. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Oh, they're also like, do you know where Peter, like, would be, just to be sure? Like, because if nothing else, there is a man losing his shit somewhere on campus. Right. And she's like, when Peter gets like this, he goes to the recital hall, and he plays. And, oh, boy, is he terrible. (laughs) He Um, has no piano to play. Yeah, he destroyed the piano, so he's just going to sit there, apparently. And so then a man pops up in a window and scares the shit out of Phil, rightfully so. Um, But it turns out to be a couple of search party bozos that are just showing up at the door. And we get this like really weird, like vaudeville bit. Hardy sketch. Yeah. (laughs) With like the girls trying to close the door on them. They keep having like one more, one more thing, one more thing. And they keep trying to close the door and they're like laughing so hard. It's like this really weird moment of levity. But it's it's like nice yeah. to see them have fun, I guess. But it's just yeah. really weird. I guess that's also the impetus because I thought she was kidding. But Jess is like, do you know what? The only locked door and window are the front door and window. So yeah. actually, I'm going to go lock all the fucking windows and doors. And so Phil is like, I'll go upstairs. Yeah, Phil goes upstairs to check on Barb. And my note just okay. says, rut row. But we will get back to that in a little bit. Because if you can believe it, the phone rings again. And just picks it up and it's just like pig noises and screaming and just like incomprehensible yeah. babble. So much. And also he calls um, Jess a fat pig. And I'm like, not to be like this, but I don't think you can call who, the one who I think is actually the skinniest, smallest person. It's in this not allowed. Movie. It's just like, I was like, all right. For the love of God. And we cut to poor Bill Graham running a triathlon <laughs> in the basement of his like, it's he makes me laugh so hard like i just remember like a couple christmases ago watching this with my parents and we had like such a bit about this fucking guy running around through the phone so it just like really makes me laugh every time but he finds it he finds where the call is coming from here we go so he finds out where the call is coming from so he tells the cops the address of where the phone call is coming from they go no 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 that's where the calls are going to and he says that's where they're coming from too, sir. The call is coming from inside the house. And this movie came out before when a stranger calls, bitch. This happened first. Is that what the is like that what the line is from? The call It's from, from like it's based on an urban legend. It's like the babysitter and the man oh, okay. upstairs or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like when a stranger calls gets all the credit for the call is coming from inside the house. But this movie yeah. came from first fuck yeah it did it's so good i was just waiting for somebody to say the call is coming from inside the house because i assumed it was this movie right um, so i was like shitting myself waiting for someone to say it but they uh they call up the cop who's posted outside the sorority house jennings and like the second they're like jennings 
and he doesn't immediately answer the camera's like slowly panning over the car and you're like okay i know what i'm about to see <laughs> and it's a dead pig ha ha, ha. i'm kidding it's I mean, well, it's a dead cop pig joke because hunk honk 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 <laughs> tune into this week's episode to hear me like just literally unravel <laughs> into just nonsense but just like the concept of like the call is coming from inside the house is like one of the scariest things in the world. I think like oh my something God. about that, that phrase and that suggestion is just like, so fuck. I feel like we talked about this in a previous episode where like something happening and you not knowing about it is so scary. Yes. 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 And like thinking, you know, what's going on, but actually something way worse for you is going on. Cause it's like, this is upsetting. And it's like, Oh, someone's like, trying to hurt us and scare us but it's like actually the person who's trying to hurt you and scare you is in the place that you've been going to be safe like he has been here the whole you time know? he and he is there right now yes. it is so yes. scary you know what we were talking about and this is what i thought the woman the babysitter and the man upstairs was is the woman and the man under her bed licking her hand and, and she, she thinks, thinks it's, it's a dog. dog it's that it's, it's that same it's that feeling same yes <clears throat> sorry i'm cutting that wretch out <laughs> no keep it um <laughs> But finally, Nash ends up on the phone because of fucking course it is. Officer Nash Fucklehead. Nash ends up on the phone with Jess. Yeah. Um, he's like, I think he says like the, the calls are coming from the house. Well, so Nash is instructed. Nash is instructed to tell Jess right. to put down You're the right. phone and walk outside and to not say anything else to her. And this right. idiot tells her what's going on. And like we at this point, I think we... I'm, if not, well, because she, okay, we don't know yet, but like we can pretty safely assume Phil is dead. Or do right. We see her get got. We don't. But Jess is like, well, why are you telling me to go outside? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And he admits the truth like a fucking idiot. Stupid. And she's too good of a person to leave. And I really love it because it's not just like, I can't leave my friends. She like goes away from the phone and she like stands by the door and she's screaming for Barb and Phil. She screams. Just like she was answering a telephone. <laughs> Pardon? Um, sorry. Not to not to bully Jess at this really sad moment. <laughs> but she's like screaming for them to come down and they just don't answer. And she's like, all right, I got to go up there. And yeah. she's like, she kind of takes a moment to decide. And then she sees a fire poker. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's mm-hmm. go. She goes upstairs and there she finds Barb and Phil both dead. And it's time to run outside, bestie. But first she sees an eyeball poking through not poking she's an eyeball peeking through a doorway and it's like a really iconic shot from this movie and then she so fucking good. runs and the pupil almost looks like red too so scary it's so scary and yeah it's i i wrote like final chase which like doesn't yeah. feel it, i guess it kind of is yeah because yeah, she runs happens, not- to this gets a little confusing because she runs to the front door and like it's locked and she can't open it from the inside yeah, for whatever which, reason like, we did see her lock it like she opens the door to lock it she like opens the door turns the lock and then closes it but like you shouldn't be able to do that right like she like can't get out so she like turns to like go somewhere else but then a hand shoots out and grabs her by the hair and just like yanks her onto the floor that's so scary and i hate it it's so much that was i read too that like this wasn't a set this was a house that they rented out yeah i'm sure part of what um i think bob clark liked about it was that like the stairwell like allowed them to hide the killer really easily so you could see feet but not see the person yeah um and this whole final chase scene the movie does such a fucking good job of not letting us see the killer i know and it's not hokey or weird right like it's not like things are conveniently placed in front of the camera like you know like a truck goes by at just the right moment or anything like it's just like you just can't see them. It's just like hands like, and feet. 
yeah you like you it feels like it feels like the way Jess can't see him yeah it's so scary it's so scary it's so good but then she runs in shadow and he's attacking her and you can't fucking see him sorry go ahead no she runs into the basement to get away and i'm like girly no do not do not do not go further into the home but she does and then she sees someone creeping at the basement window and it's fucking peter and peter like breaks the window and comes in and you're just like holy shit like is he the killer is he not who knows either way terrifying because we still know he's angry and like we don't know how much he knows about what's going on anyway because he doesn't give a shit about anything that's going on right in jess's life and like at this at present moment he could be the killer and we don't know right exactly and he he's acting like angry and creepy and weird he's like jess why are you running away from me and he's like backing her up into a corner yeah because he's a fucking maniac um and it's so funny because i was so just i was like it's peter it's peter and i've decided it's peter because it makes so much sense look at him and we're so used to i think like now like when it's like the like the the plot twist and i'm like it's too late in the movie for there to be like a grand old plot twist that's what you think (laughs) right and it was like it would be somebody we know about you know what i mean yep um so, but it is, some, there's something really good when she sees him. Like she, I, I would argue feels very certain that it's him. And so like her expression when she sees him, cause he's like wiping the ice, like the frost off the mm-hmm. window. So you gradually start to see his face and like you watch it almost like dawn on her. And right. it's so well done. She's such a good fucking actor. She is. So then we just hear Jess screaming and screaming once again. And the cops mm-hmm. bust in and they run down into the basement where Peter is dead and Jess is like mm-hmm. passed out almost on top of him. Then they put Jess to bed and like give us the audience, the wrap up basically that Peter was the killer. Yeah. Jess killed mm-hmm. him in self-defense. So mm-hmm. they drug her and knock her out to like recuperate. Claire's father like stays in the room and sits with Jess for a little while, which is so heartbreaking to me. Right. Because at some point he... Claire's dad goes into shock and like passes out. Yes, yes. So everyone leaves Jess to take him to the right. hospital. And then they turn off the lights and we have a nice tidy resolution. But the movie is still happening. So it really right? makes like, you think. There. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, we're going to find out. And I was like grasping at straws. I was like, who is it going to be? If it's not Peter, who the fuck is it going to be? And I'm like, it's going to be Phil's boyfriend. He's the only person that we know who like hasn't really shown up in the movie again. It's Mrs. Tredoni. <laughs> exactly so the camera moves up into the attic and we can hear billy in there so billy is up there peter is dead peter could not have been the killer but also holy shit he's just like that (laughs) like peter was just like that like he that's part of the horror to me genuinely right like Jess still got in a physical altercation with her boyfriend that ended in her killing him like that yeah. is fucking nuts. That's nuts. Because here's the thing. If she was brandishing a poker at him, he could have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening? Right. Like, what are you doing? But he just like, she'd be like I know it's her you. in He's battle. Like, yeah, exactly. But these last moments are so tense. It's just like you hear the breathing and like we get that shot up into the attic. So then while we're up there, we see Claire's body is still there in the rocking chair with the plastic wrapped around her face. The house mm-hmm. mother is still hanging there from the hook. And we get this like incredible long zoom shot like out the window, just like craning away from the house. And then the phone rings. 
And then the credits roll and the movie's over. And I want to ah. cry. <laughs> like, it's so, like, it's so good because I'm, I feel like because a lot of movies now would have done some big, like, rah And I read there was actually an alternate ending. Oh. Where... Yeah, I don't. I don't think they shot it. I think one of the producers didn't like this mm-hmm. ending, which I think is stupid as hell. Um, and they wanted Chris to walk into the room and sit down with Jess and go, "You can't tell anyone what we did, Agnes," which is something that Billy said. Wow. Um, which would have just been stupid. That would have been stupid. It would have sucked. Yeah. And so I was expecting some like, "You're not gonna fucking believe who actually did it," but it's just like, it's just the phone just ringing and being like, "Guess what? It's actually not fucking over." And like, like, and you just have to like sit with that and the credits are just yes. like rolling over this house and you're like, okay. Yes. So final thoughts, so Jess totally died, right? Like Billy she totally to killed her. Like they're alone There's in that house. In the fucking room. Yeah. That's so upsetting. Like after all that, like he fucking like killed her in her bed. I'm sure this movie's perfect. I love it. No notes. It's so, it's so harrowing. It's so good. Like I, as much as like, I hate when things don't end happily. I love when things don't end happily. Like when it's good. Yeah, And this is so good. And like, I just love how weird it is. Like this is a really weird movie. Like the fucking fur coat and the goofy search party bozos. And it's just like crazy outfits and the cursing Santa. Yeah, it's weird, but also like legitimately so scary. Okay, I texted you, holy shit, that was like the best movie I've ever seen. Uh Uh-huh. And then I said, I think I might have trouble sleeping tonight. And that's everything. (laughs) That is everything. This movie and like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I feel fear every time. Like I feel scared every time, every time I watch those movies. And like, that's so powerful and so exciting. Exactly. That's what it is. Like, I like not to be like, I'm not scared. And I don't like, cause I'm like, I, I get scared. I'm like, oh God, I'm it's desensitized. Scary. It's horrible. Uh, but it's like, you can just like tell a story really well and have it be a horror movie. And like, that can be scary. And sometimes it, it is like scary. And sometimes it's just like, wow, that was really upsetting and really well done. Yeah. But like, this was just fucking so scary. <laughs> it's so great. Speaking of scary, Tara, what do you think the Bravo TV network chose as the 87th scariest movie moment of all time? I, I had so many. Right. I think I I I think I figured it out from things you said and I am gonna be really embarrassed if I'm wrong. Uh oh. <laughs> but I feel like you made me think it's the asthma attack, which it I am starting to think maybe it should be because that did really freak me out. That or you were just like that's really scary and I was like, Oh bet, because it really scared the shit out of me. I, I tricked you with my own fear. You- oh sorry, did you have a second ah! guess and I interrupted? No, I'm being annoying because I, I couldn't decide if I thought it was the caroling, which I think makes sense because it's like a very iconic spooky thing mm. or the final chase scene where I like couldn't get my sh- I couldn't get a grip. I was freaking out. <laughs> well, Tara, all your guesses are wrong because oh <laughs> all of those are I can't, wrong. That I can't believe. I can't believe that. <laughs> because the scariest moment that they chose in the Bravo TV special is the plastic bag kill. Which uh, okay. I think I agree with because, like, that's really scary to me. No, that is. I'm being able to breathe is really important to me. <laughs> I really like <laughs> and just freely me. breathing. <laughs> and like the only other contender for me is one of the ones that you said is like Billy pulling Jess by the hair. Like something about mm-hmm. that specifically really gets me. Hair is like really yeah. personal and like important to me, so it just like adds Absolutely. a layer to the violence of that scene. No, absolutely. There is there is a lot of there, hair. Women and hair. It's a fraught. It's just it's fraught. Yeah. It's fraught. How we look is fraught. Our bodies are fraught. The dead cells that come out of our head are fraught. 
there's a lot of emotional weight to hair. And I feel like she's yes. experienced a lot of like violence specific to her position yes. as a woman. And so like yes, him pulling yes. her hair was just really like, it made me like angry and sad and scared. No, it's like those, those like fucking street smart things, like the safety things where they would be like, if you wear your hair in a ponytail, they can get you easier. And I'm like, cool. That's the only way I ever wear my hair. Thank you. I cut all my hair off so no one can ever get me. Yeah. <laughs> or like maybe... Maybe this is too, like, esoteric, but, like, maybe also my scariest moment is, like, at the very end when everything's all wrapped up, but you realize the movie is still going, and you're like, oh, holy shit, something else is about to happen, and that's such a scary feeling. Yes, I was like, oh, shit, oh, God, who is it? Oh, my God, I literally, like, was incoherent. (laughs) It's so scary. Which one is yours? I can't choose anymore. I think I have to say it was, like, the final thing, because it just, like, it it just, it's so scary. It's so scary. at this point... I was like, okay, it would have been cool if Peter was a red herring, but there's no way it's not Peter. So there was this added feeling of like, this girl is being chased down by her fucking boyfriend. Oh, yeah. That would and then, suck. And then it's a double scary, double fucking whammy. Guess what? Like, it's even weirder and kind of worse. Um, okay, so this is kind of like an all-timer segment of the special. Um, oh, we shit. kick things off with director Bob Clark. And he says, he's like, Christmas is a joyous time, despite the suicide rate, which like (laughs) really explains what kind of guy he is. I feel like, yeah, holy shit. And he's just like, I wanted to contrast Christmas with horror and like, what a beautiful visionary genius he is for that. And I thank you. Um, And then following director Bob Clark, we have Olivia Hussey. (laughs) Ah. Olivia Hussey is there and she tells the story of the time that she met Steve Martin because they were working together on Roxanne um, and he told her that she was in one of his favorite movies of all time and she was like oh Romeo and Juliet and he says no Black Christmas I've seen it 27 times (laughs) taste taste also apparently Elvis liked this movie Elvis liked this movie Presley Riley Keough's grandfather (laughs) But he died in 1977, so he would only watched it, like, three Christmases in a row, which is notable, but, like... Maybe he watched it every day. Yeah. (laughs) So, Steve Martin likes it, which is really fucking cool, and also maybe Elvis. Taste. (laughs) And then, in a surprising turn of events, Rob Zombie is here. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. Just, and, like, all he really says is that, like, this movie really scares him, but he's, like, so earnest about it. He's like, man, he's, like, Black Christmas. Oh, but Uh, also, oh, my God, one more. I almost forgot. Tom Savini is here. (gasps) Tom Savini. And he's just there to, like, talk about the killer POV thing because he's such a Friday the 13th guy and how, like, that puts you in the killer's shoes. And I'm like, he would know. But it's just, like, such an array of wonderful people that I love. So it's really delightful. For once, I was like, yeah, this is scarier than Jurassic Park. Yeah, for once. For once. Okay. We're getting there. Because Jurassic Park is like action, adventure, danger, and this is like... I want to throw this up. This might could happen. <laughs> this might could happen to me in my attic. It's like, these kinds of things can and do happen. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm you not... Like, like, I am scared to watch a T-Rex fuck up some kids, but I am not worried yes. that a T-Rex <laughs> is going to happen to me. But right. in fact, I am worried that a Billy or a Peter is going to happen to me. Literally. Movie good. Merry Christmas. Hey, Riley. Hi, Tara. What movie are we watching next week? Okay, so here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, we're watching a film from the year 1939, directed by Victor Fleming, and it's called The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) 
Which, like, I, not to be like, I was scared of that when I was a kid. Like, not to, I was, I was. very, very. I was scared specific. The flying monkeys made me want to oh, cry. Yeah. I was, like, scared of, I was really scared of flying monkeys, which, like, was not an issue in my day-to-day life. But, like, no. they scared me so bad that I would, like, be upset about flying monkeys. I have this really vivid memory that I feel like happened many times. I'm sure it didn't. But, like, I, okay, because the. You, some of you guys, hopefully, maybe all of you, some of you guys remember Blockbuster, um, <laughs> Blockbuster video. But anyway, I used to go there all the time because I love movies. Here we are on a movie podcast. Shock. Horror. Um, <laughs> but I I remember them constantly playing The Wizard of Oz. Like, always mm. the beginning. And I just remember so clearly there would be like three TVs stacked on top of each other, mm-hmm. kind of, you know? I don't know if this is how every blockbuster looked, but they did it at mine. And it was just like the Wicked Witch of the West, like tall as can be, yeah. like, basically up to the ceiling, like really, really clear because it's like this, their whole thing is movies. And I just remember like having to like walk by it and like it was like playing while we were like waiting to check out. And my mom was like, you know, paying for everything at the counter. And I would just sit there and I wouldn't be able to look away. And I was so fucking scared of her. It's scary shit, man. It is. But the thing about the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the Wizard of Oz is we would feel kind of silly if we sat here for two hours and explained the plot of Wizard of Oz to you. We don't think anybody yeah. wants that. Um, so we're going to do something a Not little bit different. <laughs> At this point, some of you may have listened to our commentary track on the movie Jack Frost. Not to be confused with the movie Jack Frost. Um. <laughs> Please don't confuse it. I beg of you. Um it's the scary, inappropriate one, and not the maybe scary, I don't know, one with Michael Keaton for <laughs> children. Anyway, we're going to do a commentary track. Yeah, with a complimentary drinking game that we will prepare yes. and play along with you. So that's going to be a hoot and a half. Um, and then the following <laughs> week, back to our regularly scheduled programming of us yes. telling you what happens in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you like that, right? You like when we do that, everyone. We're all going to get married. You love us and our podcast. So don't watch The Wizard of Oz until the next episode comes out. Yeah, save it. Because if you do, you're going to have to watch it twice. Unless you are really into The Wizard of Oz, then go for it. But keep that in your back pocket. Get ready to watch The Wizard of Oz with us next week. Yeah. Um, Follow us on our social medias at Fright Your Life on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me and Riley on Twitter at um tara elwood and at riley cassidy one uh that first twitter is riley's twitter and the second one <laughs> we thought that'd be cute um uh, uh, join us next week as we try to give you the, the fright, fright of, of your, your life, life. Ooh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> i'm I, stopping this yeah <laughs> uh once again i am sorry for what transpired <laughs> I don't feel good about the things that happened here today. (laughs) 